0: Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the They Came From Beyond rules by Onyx Path Publishing. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to themes for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include various hijinks, mature language, and possible show rewrites, all content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., which may or may be a resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. And now, on with the show. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am normally your keeper or handler, Michael Diamond, uh, but tonight we're getting back to the finale of Camp Murder Lake. Uh, and so, I'm going to hand it the game and to the table over to director Miranda to t- take us through the um, the ultimate final act
1: yeah welcome back to Camp Murder Lake or I believe it's Camp Beaver Falls as we have currently named it previously camp' it's Laughing Lake and our camp counselors have just been met by a clown car which is spilling clowns out in front of them. And why don't we get to know who our camp counselors are? Our film today is
2: starring. Hi, my name is Tegan and I'm playing Lance McCutchinson. And I'm a wild child. Introducing
3: James, I'll be playing Eugene Francis and uh you the nerd of the group.
1: Guest starring.
3: Hi, I'm your friend Nate,
4: and I'm playing Quentin Tavish. An innocent who did not realize he
0: had a clown fear.
1: Special appearance by...
0: Hi, this is Mike, and I'm back playing Kevin. And I think Kevin's biggest concern at this point is the sheer number of clowns.
1: So you find yourselves outside the nurse's hut. And a clown car is pulled up in front of you and is swilling out clowns. Uh, The sun has fallen and it is now nighttime at the camp. You can hear the sounds of kids gathering down by the big bonfire area.
0: All right. Well, um, if we're going down there, we need to go down there prepared for clowns. I sort of look around. I never thought I'd say that. What do you hunt clowns with? I don't know if these steak knights are going to do it, Lance. They're just... <sighs> what do we hunt clowns with? On? A restraining order? I don't know. No, our ancestors hunted him with fire. Our ancestors hunted clowns?
4: Oh my god. The Gleeman Beaver Companions Traveling Show.
3: Oh yeah, the beavers, right.
1: Nate, uh, since you seem to know so much about the Gleeman Beaver Companions... Uh, and have done your research, why don't you roll me a, let's call it humanities and
4: intellect. This will be my first roll. Two humanities, huh? Oh, three whole dice. Thanks, Miranda.
1: Let's going to say enigmas, which would have been zero, so. Yeah, mm,
4: that's great. I that's was great. actually
1: being kind of generous.
4: hmm is that what you call it?
1: Now, you could use your trademark Storyteller to grain two extra dice, I would think, because this is based on a story that you told.
4: Do I also get my plus one for Rumor Has It? Yes. All right. Now, five is not so pathetic. Well, I did get one ten, and I did get a nine. So I did get three out of that measly five roll.
1: You, in some of your more fringe research on clowns and the Gleam and Beaver companions and the history of the Gleam and Beaver companions and things that have gone down in clown history since then, you have found some very niche information on clown hunting. And you know that uh, one ability that some clowns are said to have in folklore is the ability to disappear, If they honk one of their appendages and wave goodbye and then reappear somewhere else, this comes to mind because one disappeared in front of you and then reappeared behind you. And you know that they uh, can't do this if they have no
4: hands. All right, so gang, we've got to chop off their hands. If you focus on their hands, they can't get away. And if they can't get away, we can burn them. That's what I read. It's in, the, it's in the appendix of the Pilgrim's Progress Adapted for Kids book that I have. Isn't that about Paul Bunyan? And his advice and his parables for being a proper and good person within these trying times. And my copy has an additional appendix on dealing with clown and clown-related... No, I'm just lying. I read this in another book, but I, it's more fun than... The Pilgrim's pilgr- the Pilgrim's Progress. It. My dad says I I should read it because my mom liked it, and it's neither here nor there. Cut off their hands; they can't get away. Burn them. If you see them honk, they will disappear and probably show up right behind you. That's the other thing. That's the other thing.
0: Okay, it makes as much sense as anything else. So yeah, let's um, let's creep our way down to to that little gathering there and see if um. See if we can see uh, you know, these clowns have a ringleader, like at the big top.
1: Now, the gathering is the children. <laughs> I should re-specify that the clowns poured out of the car. And then the scene <laughs> cut to you guys having this conversation somewhere else. So the clowns all came out of the car. And then for some reason, there's this weird interjected scene that when they were doing the edits, just fits in kind of weird where you guys are talking about what you're going to do with the clowns. So some time has passed since the clowns arrived and the kids are all gathering down by the lake.
0: That is good to know. Okay, well, then I think we have a job to do. I would like to attempt
2: to pull something useful out of my backpack with my trope, you mean this. Okay. Specifically, I would like to, to pull out a one of those little butane tanks with like a little lighter attachment
4: on the end of it.
1: Okay. Yeah, you can absolutely use your trope to have a butane torch.
4: Sweet.
2: I have fire.
4: Director, how many rewrites do we have? Five. Kevin, it might be a diegetic music cue time. I agree.
1: Yeah, so diegetic music cue, it costs two rewrites. And what that does is cue for the audience. The theme music or sound effects is usually associated with the killer. Uh, In general, the audience only usually hears this. But for some reason, the player characters can hear it as well and uh, thus cannot be ambushed or surprised for the rest of the scene. And any difficulty modifiers or complications relating to stealth or surprise can be ignored.
0: Board. I agree. Spend a couple of rewrites.
1: As you ha- head out, you actually see now uh, where the campfire would normally be. You normally see, like, the kind of flickering light of a campfire. There are two lights shining up into the sky and waving
0: back and forth. Okay. Well, this has got to be the place.
2: I don't remember my parents buying any large lighting systems.
0: No? Maybe that's the clowns doing? Yes, this one does seem a little extraneous for a
4: camp. I don't hear any of the kids either. We gotta get down there. Those kids are gonna get all eaten up.
0: Yeah, um, I'm gonna definitely uh, quicken my pace to get down the to this area of the meeting.
4: Yeah,
1: you... Don't hear any of the kids. In fact, all you can hear ringing in your ears now is that music that would normally play when the killer appears. Um, and for some reason, it's odd because you can hear it as well. And you approach these lights and you find assembled down at the usual camp gathering grounds, a large circus tent.
4: Well, this is bad news. This is bad news. i don't I don't remember this being here. It wasn't here. It's the clowns, Eugene. Get with it.
2: i want going to cut a hole in the tent with my stick knife.
1: Okay, yeah, if you want to sneak around to the backside and cut a hole in it, you are more than welcome to attempt to do so. That will be a, a close combat might.
2: Okay. Uh, that's two successes out of four.
1: Oh, yeah. You can shove your knife into the side of this tent and and pull it... Down the side, and it makes kind of this like the tearing noise as it tears through the fabric of the tent. And inside, it's hard to see anything. It's pretty much pitch black.
4: I thought I saw something. I quip, staring into the blackness. I'm gonna go in. I'm worried about these kids.
1: You can actually hear the laughter of children inside.
0: Well, that's not creepy at all. I turned to Eugene. Is it me, or are the laugh tracks getting a little too accurate, you know? You know, Kevin, I
3: I gotta say, I don't really want to go in here. but uh, Let's go. And uh, he steps over. And please, don't
0: don't talk about the laugh tracks. I got goosebumps on my goosebumps. I shake my head, and I go inside.
1: You head inside of the tent. And when you get into the tent, you feel this kind of nauseous feeling come over you as if you're popping out of one reality and into another, and all of a sudden you are in a room, Kevin went in first, surrounded by mirrors. I I
3: don't... Guys?
1: Eugene, you're in a room that is... You're on a bridge and the room around you is a cylinder and it's spinning
3: around. Oh, director, side note, I worked in a haunted house for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, th- those are you never get used to them. Eugene takes his glasses off, so at least he can't see it very well. And they're all blurry. And uh, he, he tries to hang on to them as he walks. And so if at least it's blurry, it won't be as dizzying. It is his thought.
1: Lance, you find yourself in the center of a circus ring. There's a tiny pool in front of you, and then a tall pole leading up to this tented center, and there is a diving board up
2: top with a clown on it. I'm in a pool, or I'm outside of a pool? You're outside of the pool. You're standing in front of a very tiny pool. I raise my lighter in the air and I yell, anybody ready for a party? Quentin, you find
1: yourself kind of immobile, like you have been held still. There's something on top of your shoulders that's holding you, and next to you are two clown faces, and there are a bunch of children holding these, like, metal two-handed spray guns facing you.
4: Children like camp kids or children like small clowns?
1: They appear to be camp kids. They're wearing their Camp Beaver Falls shirts, but their faces have been painted white with big blue diamonds around their eyes and red noses on their faces.
4: Okay, kids. Remember what we practiced. If your faces are painted white, you have to check with me to see if it's all right. Don't spray me, and I'm going to just try and start getting out of my my ropes with the steak knife.
1: As the big kids begin to spray water directly into your uh, mouth, we'll see if you can struggle against that. We'll loop back around and then I'll kind of go through all of you now that you know where you're at. And we'll start with Kevin in the hall of mirrors.
0: Well, I'll take some tentative steps around and I'll do what I can to keep an eye on all of my other eyes and other selves as they warp and change and shift.
1: As you're going around these mirrors, you can hear as you get closer and farther away from this music. And at one point you pop around a corner and see a, I wouldn't describe it as a clown, I'd describe it more as a mime because they're in all black and white in front of you.
0: Ooh, okay, I. Uh, they're. are they facing me or are they uh, away from me?
1: Oh, they're facing you.
0: I cock my head to the side a little bit, reach into my pocket, take out my pack of cigarettes and light a a Winston.
1: Oh, he says he wiggles his finger and points to a no smoking sign.
0: I take a deep inhale. I blow it directly into his face to try to get the mime to cough.
1: He coughs, but no sound comes out. He only mimes it. So he holds his hand up in front of his mouth and one on his chest, and he's making the coughing motion.
0: Awesome. I kick him right in the balls.
1: Go ahead and roll a close combat and might check.
0: Kevin is not the um, pugilist. That's not his thing. Um, I have two successes.
1: Okay, so he will take... Two damage then and at the same time he doubles over, he stands back up with a flower on his chest and he squirts it at you and this spray comes towards your face and acid is going to shoot all over your face you can choose to shrug it off or take it he only had two successes plus one enhancement for the flower so that'll be three damage.
0: I am um, healed to full so
1: if you take it, you get a bonus. So
0: Yeah, I think I'm gonna take it.
1: Okay, so that'll fill in just the flesh wound for you and you'll get a plus one for your archetype day.
0: Um, I'd like to spend a rewrite. Okay. Uh, just one for Scary Story. And what I'd like to do with Scary Story is say to the mime, you know the thing about a hall of mirrors like this is not all the glass is perfect. And so sometimes in the right light, you can see directly to the exit
1: I love that uh, so you spent two rewrites uh, you had gotten some for you guys splitting up so you are back at five rewrites now because that scary story will cost you two rewrites and you can side eye and the mime looks starts looking panickedly around the glass to see if he can see what you're talking about and you can see perfectly behind one of these mirrors where the exit is
0: oh cool Okay.
1: He is going to try to squirt you with acid again. What a jerk. I know. For another 3 that you can shrug off or take.
0: I'm going to I'm going to try to take this one. Okay. Yeah, so that's 3.
1: Okay, yep, so you can easily take it or shrug it off. I'll
0: uh, I'll, I'll I'll sort of scream as the acid comes in. Oh, no and I'm going to put my arms up in a in an X formation, and I'm going to run towards the mime, and then I'm going to attempt to use him as a batting ram to go through that glass.
1: Yeah, that is going to be, I would say, an athletics or close combat and might.
0: I will take athletics. And that's two.
1: So you can shove the mime through this glass as it shatters and you hit the exit and it pops you out of the mirrors. It doesn't actually take you to another place. You temporarily disappear and will jump to the uh, Eugene in the spinny disorienting room.
3: Oh, this is terrible. (laughs) Eugene is leaning heavily on the, the metal bars of the walkway and trying to maybe close his eyes almost all the way, which don't work that well anyway, hence the giant, thick Coke bottle glasses. And is it trying to stumble his way in these lights down towards the other end of the of the um, walkway?
1: Yeah, I definitely think that this is going to put some complications on Eugene as he is uh, stumbling through. And in front of you uh, crawls up from the bottom of the other side of the bridge, a clown that is on her back and her legs and arms are both bent over behind her in some sort of contorted position. And she like upside down crab calls crawls towards you and then kicks her feet up over her head and stands upright and then bows in front of you. And then she's going to gesture to the walls around you, which you realize now are kind of having a hypnotizing effect on you so to resist this uh you'll have to roll an integrity and resolve with a difficulty of three
3: integrity resolve okay i got no successes and i rolled a one
1: Oh, that's fantastic. So essentially you are being hypnotized to perform the actions that the uh, killer clown suggests. And so you realize that this clown isn't a threat to you at all. They They just want to have a little fun with you, Eugene. They're your friend. And she comes up and she takes your hand and she leads you off the bridge and you pop out of existence as well. And then... We cut to Lance standing at the bottom of the pool. The clown up on the ladder, up on the high dive, jumps off, does five backflips, and lands perfectly in the water and disappears.
2: And I'm outside the pool. Well, then I want to, like, rip the pool side open with my steak knife. Get that clown out here so I can... I, I God, I can't really let him on fire because he's all wet, but I'm going to cut his hands off
1: you go to start cutting the pool and the clown hands this is a very tiny pool it's maybe only two feet across so it's very tiny uh, the clown hands appear over the side of the pool and it begins to pull its body up out of this impossibly small pool
2: can I, can I, can I stab him in the hand?
1: you certainly can uh, that'll be a close combat and I'm going to say if you're going for the hand it'll be dexterity
2: those combat is three dice while dexterity is an additional two dice so I will be rolling five dice that is one success
1: well that's good It'll that'll do one teeny tiny little bit of damage to it so you stick it with the steak knife and glitter and uh, confetti begin to stream out of its hand as it continues to crawl up and pull the rest of its body, but its body just keeps coming. Its torso is easily eight feet long as its body keeps coming coming up out of this pool. And you couldn't tell that when he jumped down, so it's just elongating. And he is going to, as his body, impossibly long and stretched above you, he's going to lift up his foot, and this giant red clown shoe is going to try to squish you underneath it.
2: I want to (laughs) dodge.
1: Well, uh, you, so he does four damage to you.
2: Okay, so explain to me how damage works.
1: In this case, you are... Uh, best off taking it. So if you take the damage, you just mark off one whole level. If you try to shrug it off, you can roll, but you might not shrug all of it off. So you might end up taking four damage instead of the three.
2: Oh, okay. So I just took the three. Yeah. I'll take the three.
1: Yeah. And so then you get a bonus to your archetype die.
2: Perfect okay, so uh, I'm I'm better at those things. All right, fantastic.
1: And the top of this clown is pressed into now as he's continued to go pressed into the top of this big
2: top tent. Is there anything flammable on him that's not soaking wet? Is this water he's soaking wet in?
1: it It is water, but th- that doesn't mean you can't light him on fire. I mean things catch fire in the rain all the time. so you might might be
2: able to. if you get lucky, it'll cost you. I mean it'll be a harder feat. God, why didn't I pick alcohol as my vice instead of cocaine? Alcohol is way more flammable.
1: hmm Uh, you can use badly lit scene.
2: Oh, yeah? Okay, so how will that work for me? So I can reach over and pull, like, some something powdery? What's explosive?
1: You can spend up to three rewrites to pull up to that number of props uh, out of the badly lit corners and
2: into the scene. You can either get props or details. Okay, so I'm gonna assume that in the badly lit scene in the corners is some jars of flammable liquid so that the clowns can do fire scenes like lighting a hula hoop on fire and like jumping through it and all that kind of stuff. So I think there are some jars of moonshine in the badly lit scenes and I would like to grab them and chuck them and, and hit, the, hit the clown with the, with the mason jars full of moonshine. comically
1: large mason jar it it is comical in both shape and it has like some X's on it and you chuck this at the clown Uh, why don't you roll me a it'll be dexterity and aim
2: well that's great because aim just got better and now I have an actual point in it
1: if you want to quip right before you throw this you can do that too to get your quip bonus
2: Yeah, I'm just going to growl at him like I've been saying all the time, like, anybody ready for a party? And I'm, like, soaking wet in the drippings from his giant clown body as I came out of the pool, so my hair's all matted to my face. Yeah, go for it. Sweet! All right! I got a ten, and an eight, and an eight, and a four.
1: Fantastic. Four successes, and you chuck this bottle, and it bursts as it hits the clown covering it in this moonshine and he's going to take
2: another step at you. Step at me. I'm going to light you on fire.
1: He does two damage. You can shrug it off or take it. I'm
2: going to take that shit.
1: Okay. Yeah. It fills in a whole line then, uh, but you get plus two to your archetype dice now.
2: Yeah, that's what I needed because now I'm going to light him on fire.
1: So go ahead and roll. This will probably be uh, close combat and cunning then.
2: Close combat and cunning. Okay, so that's three plus two plus two. All right. I'm going to take down one massive clown. Ten, ten, one, six, eight, five, seven. So two tens and an eight. So five successes. Uh, That is fantastic. You are kicking this clown's ass as it
1: bursts into flames and the tent begins to catch fire around you as it stands up and it hits the top of the tent and the tent crumbles around you and you just find yourself in darkness. And then we'll cut to Quentin who is about to get waterboarded on one of those clown mouth shoot water balloon
4: games. I am a beloved camp counselor to these kids. They have Seen me and experienced me at my finest teaching them and training them in how to survive in this dangerous world. I would like to command them to turn their streams of water against their captors, the clowns, because I do have a command skill. So I want to try and use that. Is that how that can work, director? I don't.
1: I'm fine with that. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, I think that. Uh, You can do this to break the hypnotization of the children if you would like to. Yeah. Roll the command presence, command manipulation.
4: Um, Composure. How about composure presence?
1: Uh, Command composure. Yeah. Yeah, that works.
4: So that is three plus two, five. That is five. I would also like, if I can... (laughs) To make use of my true grit trademark in this, okay, because I'm getting waterboarded, yet I'm still holding my my composure together. Mm-hmm. And I would also like to add in, if I might, my uh, one item that gives me a boost on rolls, which, as we all know, is my Pilgrim's Progress adapted for kids book that I've been using this entire. This entire, it's not a game. This is a reality. This is life at camp. And kids, as I command them, kids, kids, the, the brave man. Oh, God. Why is room temper? The brave man is not he who feels no for, fear, kids. It's he whose noble soul bravely dares the danger that nature shrinks from. Turn those away from me. And I would like to roll my, how? what is this, 30 dice? Three, Four, five, six, seven, eight. Including my custom bullet dice from Odd Duck Dice that I usually only use in my Delta Green games. Oh, boy. I feel like I should take a picture of this because Teagan is not going to believe it. Not going to believe it at all. One, two, three, four. That's five tens and one eight. I can't even count that high. Mm -hmm. You see the kids look at each
1: other and and they hear your words um, which I can't remember and say back to you but they hear the words of Pilgrim's Promise and it's doing something to them and they're uh, they they kind of stop spraying and look down at themselves and and look at each other and look at you and realize that this isn't a safe situation at
4: all Mm -hmm, mhm mhm follow your training, kids. You know what to do when you're in an unsafe situation with unsafe adults. Leave? (laughs) Yeah, you
1: fucking leave. Run! And the kids take off. And then everything goes black for Quentin, too. And then this is the weird part of the clown movie where everything gets real art house and kind of strange. Because we have to come to some sort of resolution. And you find yourselves from this strange clown building and... flashing kind of in and out of reality and you you crawled into this place and then you were all separated and then you kind of see what happened to the other ones and and find yourselves back together but it is on the last day of camp laughing hills you find yourselves outside of Camp Laughing Hills. It says Camp Laughing Hills at the top, and you—everything uh, is kind of uh, a faded out color. It's the, the colors drained from the screen. But you find yourselves back at Camp Laughing Hills. Here we
0: are. This is where it all started. Wait, what? But what? What happened? What day is it? What time is it? What year? It's the first day at camp again. Not our first day, though. Mr. Morris has gotta be here. And I guess we gotta find him.
1: And you can see the kids rushing around, getting ready for the big clown circus talent show at the end of the year. Um, So kids are getting dressed, they're putting their makeup on, they're getting everything ready. You see kids juggling across the lawn. Some of them are doing feats of acrobatics. Parents have begun to show up.
4: Oh my God, Eugene, we've, we've, we've traveled in
3: time. That's what it would seem. And uh, I gotta say, I'm not a fan of the fashions. Uh, I, I prefer the sleek, modern, futuristic look of the 80s. The 70s stuff's gotta go.
4: And the hair is, the hair is something something else. But Eugene, you know what this means? You know what this means? You can, you can meet your brother.
3: <gasps> I could meet my brother. And uh, so, yeah, Eugene kind of, takes off towards the counselors to see if he can figure out which one is his brother.
1: Yeah. You can certainly, you're rushing through the crowd, looking like grabbing people and turning them around and you can find someone that looks a lot like you. Whoa. Whoa. Hey dude, twins, twinsies.
3: <laughs> yeah, Adri- uh, Adrian.
1: Uh, Yeah. Who are you? I haven't seen you around here before.
3: Oh, uh, it, my name is, um, I'm Eugene. Um, we we haven't met yet. I mean, I just, we're meeting now. Hi. He pulls out a hand, handshake. Uh, hi, Eugene. He shakes your hand. Um, hey, listen, be careful today, huh?
1: Okay. You be careful too, uh.
3: He reaches, fishes through his pocket and pulls out the tiny little steak knife thing that he got from Lance earlier and, and hands it to Adrian.
1: Well, we're not supposed to have knives here, uh.
3: I know, I know. I found this on one of the other campers. You should you should hang on to it until you have a safe place to put it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Thanks, I
0: guess. All right.
3: Then he kind of backs away towards the guys again.
0: Do we know Mr. Morris's first name? He's gotta be a he's gotta be a kid here or maybe a counselor. I I'm, I'm looking for him director. I'm using that slow stare over all the kids here.
1: Yeah um now Mr. Morris is uh kind of old er, uh in the modern day well modern being the 80s and you think he was maybe one of the older senior he maybe was even the camp manager back then too
0: all right so 70s probably a mustache who's the guy with the, the Tom Selleck mustache here
1: you can definitely see a, a gentleman with a Tom Selleck mustache there standing and talking to a bunch of kids. He looks like a much younger Mr.
0: Morris. There he is. I know those tennis shorts anywhere. I, I, I'm really glad that those
3: are at least have gotten slightly less snug. Oh,
0: I slowly walk over, just sort of knowing that if if, if what I think is true, if he is the ringleader of this whole thing, then he could be pretty dangerous right now.
1: He's talking to some campers and giving them a little pep talks for the day.
0: I, uh, I call out, uh, "Mr. Morris."
1: He turns around. Oh, uh, do I know you? Are you supposed to? Are you here? Are you family of one of the campers? Or
0: I don't say anything for just a moment. I sort of hold the pregnant pause of the tele- of the movie camera on me for a second. You like clowns?
1: Well, I mean, yeah, everyone likes clowns here at Camp Laughing Hills. They're the best part of the show.
0: Is it going to be a real big show today?
1: Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Why do you ask?
0: I'm trying to get a read on him.
1: Okay, yeah, go ahead and roll me a brilliant empathy. It's going to be an empathy, cunning, empathy, composure, manipulation.
0: That is not as spectacular as Nate's previous role. Um, but it is two successes.
1: It does seem like he knows something's going on, but he's not really saying what's going on.
0: Alright, so um, I'm going to find a front row seat because my guess is whatever happens happens here at this big event and I want to be ground zero for it.
1: You notice as you head into the big like auditorium area, which is actually just the kitchen uh, or the mess hall, that uh, Mr. Morris actually leaves like he comes in the front door you follow him in you go to sit down in the back and he ducks out the other door
0: should we follow him? yeah I uh, if he if he heads out the back the back door I'm right after him he's just trying to pull a fast one
1: yep, and you see him he ducks out and he starts to head off into the woods
0: okay continue Lance you with me?
2: yes I am and I've got my stuff
0: we're like snorting up as we go
3: No, I mean, I got my lighter and I got my knife. Handfuls of Coke smeared on your faces.
0: Jesus, I know it's a movie set and I know it's the 80s, but Christ, just let us get through this. But yeah, I I dive into the woods after him.
1: You follow him to a clearing where a old large tree stands with a long thick branch jutting out from it. Probably I would say perfect for uh, hanging gleaming beaver companions uh, at some point in time.
0: Yep, if you're going to hang a beaver, that's the wood you use. So yeah, um, does he disappear from view totally or is he standing at the tree?
1: No, he approaches the base of the tree and you see that he has a bag with him and he begins to unload things around the tree. There's a very old red clown nose. There are a set of clown shoes. He begins to light the candles around the base of this tree.
0: What are you, phone in a friend there, Mr. Morris?
1: Whoa, oh, it's you. What what are you doing? You're supposed to be at the show.
0: No, I'm not. I'm not even supposed to be here.
1: Well, yeah, you're in the woods. Go back to the show. There's nothing to see here, kid.
0: Doesn't look like it to me.
1: Well, I mean, there was. I mean, if you want to know the history of this tree, I can certainly share it with you.
0: Sure, go ahead.
1: Well, I have to remember everything that Nate said. Uh, you know that this is where the the Gleeman Beaver companions uh, settled when they came to this area. You know that?
0: Oh, I do. Yes, I've heard.
1: Yeah. How much do you know about them?
0: I heard something bad happen.
1: Yeah, they were hung right here from this tree. What no one knows, though, is uh, I'm the only descendant left of the Gleeman Beaver companions.
0: Hmm, The only one left, huh?
1: The only one left. And I opened this camp here as an homage to them.
0: Homage? What is that, French class?
1: Oh, no, I don't participate in miming. But I did learn more as I've... I've been here about how the Gleeman Beaver companions were treated. And uh, after all these years, I think that that someone needs to pay for what happened. And what better for the ancestor of the Gleeman Beavers to, uh, to take from these people than uh, their ancestors.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So you're setting up a little bit of uh, a little justice in your own mind, right? Yeah, that'd be it. Not today, hassle. You know what you get when you boil a clown? What's that? Laughing stock. And so as the Joker, I'm going to use you're not so tough as my trope. And, uh, and the fact that I'm an insult comic at heart. And when I mock a slasher to their face, they cannot use one of their special rules for the rest of the scene.
1: Okay, I can do that.
0: Yeah, now stab him. Quick.
2: <laughs> All right, I stab him.
1: His special rules, I don't, and I'll let you, you know what, I'll let you pick. So the clown special rules are honk honk poof, which is the disappearing. Uh, join the fun, which is the hypnotizing, which I still got up my sleeve. Uh, let me make you a poodle, which is uh, balloon weapons. And smell my flower, which is uh, flower acid.
0: Yeah, I think the um, I think the hypnotism needs to go.
1: I will say it goes going forward, uh, but doesn't go retroactively. I mean, James is still hypnotized. James is a, a MKUltra sleeper agent.
2: Nice. But it's okay because I've done coke and I have a knife.
1: Yep. Uh, so we'll take join the fun off the table uh, going forward. And Lance would like to stab. Why don't we roll initiative since we'll be in actual combat with more than just me and one of you at a time. I believe it is Athletics and Dexterity or Cunning Empathy?
0: One. I also have
3: one. I have two successes on five dice. One success on
4: five dice. Okay.
1: So the... Mr. Morris reaches into his back pocket and he pulls out a clown mask and he puts it on over his head and it's almost like it melds into his face and his hands start to swell and puff up into this white fabric and his shoes begin to grow into these long red shoes and he, he kind of, his, his clothes become oversized and billow out around him as he uh, transforms into the ultimate clown. And that'll be his action. Now, James, seeing this, you remember that lovely contortionist clown that you met in the uh, spinny silo room and you Realize that you would never want to hurt a clown. In fact, it's your friends that are the problem. Your friends are trying to stop true
3: artwork that is being done here. Director, are there, since this is um, very much a clown motif, are are there any of the um, large clown mallets around?
1: Oh, for you, James, I feel like there absolutely would be. It's very old, though because uh, it's leaned up against the tree and it is one of the things that has been unpacked and left here uh, to honor the gleeman beaver companions.
3: It'll be gross and squishy from nature and everything. Okay, Uh, Eugene grabs the squishy, gross old mallet and uh, hefts it like he's going to attack and then he immediately pivots and swings and hits whoever is to his left. Like dead center in the chest. You leave her. Leave them alone.
1: <laughs> uh, you can pick whoever is there. We haven't really established where everyone's standing in the scene, and everyone's in close enough range that you don't have to move
3: too much. Uh, you know what? I think Nate in this one is going to get the 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 nasty mallet, the nasty clown mallet in this case, because I've I've now heard him say. Uh, gleaming beaver companions more times than I am honestly comfortable with. So,
1: Unfortunately, James is not well suited to swinging a mallet. His wimpy little nerdy arms are not great. So I guess I'll have you roll close combat and might, which is exactly one die.
3: That's fantastic.
1: Uh, if you wanted to use one of your trademarks you could, And an equips, go for it.
3: Uh, you know what? Actually, I will use one of my trademarks. It's always the quiet ones, then. And uh, okay, yeah. And as he as he hit, turns and hits um, Quentin in the chest, he. Uh, you guys believe these guys are doing the the bad guys? Yeah, you'll believe anything, won't you? Uh, he quips, and then he rolls three successes.
1: Quentin, would you like to shrug it off or take it?
4: I've never understood the difference. They don't seem to make any sense to me.
1: Uh, this would be a perfect time to shrug it off rather than take it because at max, you're gonna do three damage, you can get less. So roll stamina and then however many successes you get, you can reduce the number
4: of damage. Stamp Just pure stamina or stamina something? Yeah.
1: Nope, just regular stamina.
4: Zero successes.
1: Okay, so you just take the full damage then.
4: All right, so I take three. So now I fill up the second row. Yep. And I have plus two, okay. And uh, it's your turn. It's my turn. (laughs) Eugene, snap out. Ow, that hurt. Eugene, snap out of it. I thought we were like best best camp buds. (laughs) Kevin's got Lance and and I've got you. Like that was, ow, what's wrong with you? And I would like um, to stab him with my steak knife in the arm where he that he's holding his moldy mallet and try to make him drop it, and I'm hoping maybe the damage will snap him out of it. So I've played D&D. It's true.
1: I'll go for a uh, close combat and
4: might. My- oh, I wasn't even spooked when you hit me either, Eugene. It hardly even hurt. I quip. Uh, one, two, three... Three, three successes.
1: You stab Eugene in the arm, he drops the mallet. Eugene, you're gonna take the three damage and you snap out of it. You realize that you had just attacked your friends, uh, which you didn't really want to do. And one of your friends stabbed you, but somehow that snapped you out of uh, being hypnotized.
3: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Quentin. I, I, I'm sorry. I, sorry, I, I don't know what came over me. That's okay. It's evil clowns. The measure
4: of a man is the rapidity oh, upon shut which up, he... Quentin. Okay, okay. It's Mike's turn.
0: Okay, um, so I'd like to try to do something stupid. Okay. But it's something I think Kevin would probably do. Using his trademark ability, making himself uh, the center of attention, he is going to try to, in effect, uh, sort of draw the... Um, Draw Mr. Morris, the super clown, uh, to focus on him rather than anybody else. And so I think I'd like to make a manipulation persuasion roll. And I'm going to say, come at me, old man. Show me what you got. In hopes, of course, that his fellow camp counselors will deal with the issue. I have six.
1: He realizes that you are obviously the leader of this group obviously in charge and to kill this monster there, he's going to have to cut off the head, which is you. Yep. Uh, so his attention will be drawn to you and it is now Tegan's turn.
2: All right. So yeah, no, I want to, I want to go. Can I go for that? Uh, that not jugular, but trachea. Can I go after him? Cause I know he's yeah. going to take out Kevin, but I'm going to come in and, and, and I'm, I'm going to be the killer. I'm going to be the slasher.
1: Yeah. Uh, Go for it. It is going to be a uh, close combat dexterity if you're knifing nimbly.
2: Okay. Close combat will be five dice. Dexterity will be two because of my bonuses. Uh, I rolled seven fails.
1: Oh, fantastic. Uh, but you get some rewrites now, so now you have, you're up to seven. If you wanted to re-roll, you could spend three to
2: re-roll?
0: Yes, just spend them. Let's do it. End this insanity.
2: All right. That's two tens and an eight out of my sevens. So that's five successes.
1: You stab him right in the throat, and streamers begin to spurt out of the hole that's in his throat. It's the long kind, too, so they just keep coming. Would you look at that? It's my turn. Mono a mano with Kevin. He is going to reach into his pocket as we have seen before and he pulls out a balloon and blows into it and begins to shape it into a long sword that he's tied off so it has the handle and everything. And he is going to attempt to uh, battle you <laughs> with this sword.
0: Yeah, go for it. I uh, While he make crafts the sword i simply say blow harder mr morris
1: uh that is three damage you can truck some off or you can just take it to get a little bit stronger
0: yep i'm gonna just take it okay that's how it'll come in and then i'm gonna spend a rewrite that it's only ketchup
1: oh okay so he (laughs) stabs you with it and this red bit spurts out and soaks into your shirt, and as he pulls it out, a ketchup packet falls from your shirt, uh, indicating that it was obviously just ketchup is what he hit.
0: I pull a hot dog out of my pocket and, you know, make lunch.
1: As one does. It is now James's turn.
3: Eugene is going to heft the squishy hammer and toss it to somebody else who can use it more effectively than him, because it is really useless in his hands. Pass it on over. Yep, he, he tosses it to Kevin, and uh, then he ducks behind a tree nearby and quickly thinks to himself how he can be useful, because <laughs> he's a nerd, and a fight is not his place to live. <laughs>
1: Uh, you may be a nerd, but I mean, you can use some of your trademarks to gain extra dice and stuff. So, uh, like, dogged—you have dogged persistence. You have three steps ahead. Any of those would give you
3: bonuses towards doing something. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I would say that uh, he is going to—he's going to—he's going to be three steps ahead on this clown. He's going and uh, he's going to put himself into the position where the clown will. The clown's head will come down if Kevin is successful with his mallet attack. We'll put it that way.
4: Okay, that's fine.
1: Uh, The other thing that you have that I think would be good for you, James, is buried grudge, which means you've got some serious grievances and it makes everyone around you uncomfortable. Once per story, when you express your hardest feelings, you can invoke a negatively worded level two field, it enhances your allies and lasts for the rest of the scene. So essentially you would give the clown negative two dice, but you have to express your hardest feelings to everyone.
3: Hmm, let me see, is uh, Eugene's hardest feelings. I'm really sick of being picked on by every single person in this camp. Not only the, well, well, for Quentin, but you know what? This clown is the last person that's gonna pick on me. Okay, guys, the last freaking person. And then he, yeah, so that's, he uses the uh, uh, buried grudge. The clown feels pity for you now. (laughs) Oh, I was really more trying to boister the other guys, but the clown uh, maybe thinks he's not worth attacking because, I mean, seriously, he's to the point of tears at this point.
1: Uh, Nate, it's your turn. This clown is pretty hurt by the, the the streamers are just trickling out now, but uh, he's obviously pretty hurt by it.
4: Quentin's glancing around. looking as his little steak knife. He glances around. I'd like to spend... I'd like to spend two rewrites on badly lit scene. Spend as many rewrites as I like and add an equal number of props or details to the scene subject to director approval. Props or details can't contradict anything already established, only add to it. I would like to add to the scene the two bottles of Everclear that... Craft Services had pulled from our our actual, you know, after ca- after wrap cast party liquor pool and hid up here because they had no idea there was actually going to be anything filmed up here, and they tucked it away behind this old tree. And as I'm glancing around, I see that. Is that okay, director? Yeah. And I would like to take one of those bottles and walk up and smash it over the clown.
1: Uh, go ahead and roll me a close combat and might.
4: And as I, I grab it and I look over and as I'm walking over the clown, the Morris clown, I'm like, you know, your buddy he ate that kid, ate that, ate that poor little kid right in the bathroom. I wasn't even spooked. Which is one of my quips. And... If I can, I'd also like to use one of my trademarks. Didn't know I could do that, because I really didn't know before this weekend at camp that I could attack a clown creature with uh, 151 proof grain alcohol.
1: Fantastic.
4: Three. I've got one ten and one eight, and a bunch of crap.
1: And your goal with this is to essentially soak him in grain alcohol, is what I'm understanding. Douse
4: the clown in this highly flammable yeah. liquid.
1: You are absolutely successful in doing this. The clown is now soaked, drenched in grain alcohol.
4: And I want to look at look look at the Morris clown straight in his eye and sort of backing away and say, "Does this remind you of anything? Does this remind you of anything, Gleeman?
0: Hope you studied your history."
1: And it is. I'm
0: going to use my signature item, which is my lighter, and I'm going to light another cigarette and I'm going to say R.J. Reynolds sends his regards and then flick this cigarette at this clown. Okay, go for it. I think that that could potentially qualify if the director does not object to pure cheese, given my um, R.J. Reynolds line.
1: Yeah, I would say pure cheese, pure cheese counts for your trademark.
0: (laughs) Desperate for dice. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I've got seven successes.
1: (laughs) Morris Clown bursts into flames and as he does you hear this popping noise like a balloon popping and as the morris clown deflates and begins flying around the tree and then lands in as a flat sheet essentially in front of you but it's smoldering and it's on fire and the smoke fills the camera scene and when the smoke finally clears again we see kevin and lance and quentin and eugene all back in their cabin eating handfuls of pudding and that's where our credits will roll on they came from camp murder lake so thanks everyone again for tuning in to this Very weird, very low budget, 1980s uh, slasher flick played with They Came From Camp Murder Lake by Onyx Path Publishing, and we will catch you for the next movie.